Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Jadavis Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valliere. We are live on a Friday. It is good to have you with us at the end of the week. Um, not a lot happening in sports this week. Uh, a couple of conference finals games. Obviously the Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars played on Thursday night football last night. Uh, not really a close game. Miami wins their first of the season, 31-13. to Ryan Fitzpatrick, 18 of 20, a couple of touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. And uh, Gardner Minshew came crashing back down to earth. Going to have to rearrange the power rankings of quarterbacks next week or in two weeks after this performance from Minshew. I had him ranked in my top 14 uh, just based on what he had done the first couple of weeks. And uh, the Stanley Cup is on. And the U.S. Open happened. There's so much sports going on that, you know, I just didn't realize that literally, like, the end of the baseball season, the Stanley Cup Finals, and the U.S. Open are all going on. And it's the beginning of the NFL season, and it's the conference finals in the NBA, and uh, the WNBA is still on, although no one really watches the WNBA. It's uh, just crazy there's so much going on and it's beautiful i love every second of it don't get me wrong um and you know it's it's funny watching that game last night watching ryan fitzpatrick go 18 out of 20 uh same amount of touchdowns as incomplete passes yesterday um and that's ryan fitzpatrick 37 year old and also saw him out in space you know scoring a touchdown you know getting first downs um while running the football, he's 37 years old. It's just weird to see, and it, and it reminded me of what like the new era of quarterbacking is in the NFL. And what do I mean by that? You know, it used to be we used to be really, really patient with our quarterbacks, right? Philip Rivers didn't start till year three. Aaron Rodgers didn't start till year four because uh, they weren't ready, you know. And they and they when they became when Philip Rivers and Eli Manning became like starters in the NFL. You know, they were drop-back pocket quarterbacks, and they and all they did was just sit in the pocket and throw it down the field and read coverages and not extend play with, plays with their legs, and I just watched that, and I thought, you know, how did they, how did it take so long for them to develop? You know, Eli Manning didn't really start till year two. Phillip Rivers didn't really start until year three. Carson Palmer didn't play a single snap of football until his second year in the NFL, and he was the number one overall pick. Uh, Alex Smith didn't start till late in his rookie season and didn't really put it all together until his seventh year in the league. And Aaron Rodgers didn't start till year four and barely saw the field until year four. You know, and that's and we used to be so much more patient with our quarterbacks. We'd draft them in the first round and we'd sit them behind Brett Favre, you know, Kurt Warner, uh, Drew Brees, guys like that, uh, John Kitna, and just let them develop, let them learn under a, a full-time starter. Um, we're nowhere near as patient with our quarterbacks now, because if you'd put Phillip Rivers or Aaron Rodgers out there week one of their rookie season, they would have thrown five interceptions and would have completed under 50% of their passes because that's just how that's just how it used to be. Terry Bradshaw back in the day, I mean, his rookie season was a bit Joe Namath, same way. You know, those older quarterbacks, when they didn't have the college schemes, when they came from college to the NFL, it was like reading, you know, it was like rocket science for them to read NFL coverages. Because, you know, in Joe Namath's first three years in the NFL, he threw 
eight, first of all, he was 16, 16, and four as a starter, 63 touchdowns, 70 interceptions, 50.2 completion percentage, um, and just seven and a half yards in attempt, a 68 passer rating for Joe Namath in his first three years in the NFL. He only played another decade. Uh, he had two, he had four seasons where he threw at least 22 interceptions. And this is sort of unheard of nowadays because nowadays quarterbacks are smarter. You know, there's more college schemes implemented. You know, there's, you know, even the bad quarterbacks can look good any given Sunday, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who now has more touchdowns than interceptions. Joe Namath, I mean, uh, Terry Bradshaw, in his first season in the NFL, completed 38% of his passes, six touchdown passes, and 24 interceptions leading the NFL. Guess what? They gave him the starting job next year, 13 touchdowns. 22 interceptions, five and eight record. His first two years in the league, eight and thirteen record, nineteen touchdowns, forty-six interceptions, and yet Terry Bradshaw was still sort of looked at as the future of the Steelers. You know, we used to be so much more patient. Let's let Terry Bradshaw just go and make the mistakes so that one day he won't make the mistakes. Eli Manning, you know, the year he won, you know, his first three years in the NFL, Eli Manning was. Uh, 20 and 19 as a starter, not bad. 54 touchdowns, 44 picks, 54 completion percentage, under six and a half yards in attempt, 196 passing yards a game, 73 pass rating. And then the next year, he led the NFL with 20 interceptions. Oh, but they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl, even though at the time Eli Manning was a one-time Super Bowl champ and one-time Super Bowl MVP, 54.7 completion percentage, 77 touchdowns, 64 interceptions, 30-25 and 25 record, 73 passer rating, 200 yards a game, and uh, 6.3 yards per pass. And But the Super Bowl, oh, he won a Super Bowl. It just forced us. He didn't throw for 4,000 yards in a season until year six in the NFL and didn't throw 25 or more touchdowns till year six in the NFL. And then Eli settled in. You know, the prime of his career was pretty good. He threw a lot of picks. But the Giants organization was extremely patient with him. They said, you know, we got to let him develop. We can't just throw him out there. Well, Joe Burrow was out there week one. You know, Joe Burrow is out there week one making the mistakes. And I believe in this. Joe Burrow started week one for the worst team in the NFL, Cincinnati Bengals. 509 yards, six, uh, three touchdowns, one interception, 82 passer rating in his first two games as an NFL starter. One, he's thrown one interception across nine, almost 100 attempts in his first two games as a rookie quarterback. In his second career start, he threw the ball 61 times and didn't throw a single interception. You wouldn't have seen that back then because guess what? The Bengals are implementing more college schemes. They're implementing easier, uh, you know, offenses for their young quarterbacks to develop into, unlike back then when, you know, it was like going from elementary school to college for guys like Terry Bradshaw and Joe Namath in terms of the learning curve. They're playing college schemes. The guys are wide open. Their stats weren't even great in college, and then they get to the NFL, and everything seems to be so complex. You know, Justin Herbert in his first NFL start, he didn't know he was starting till five minutes before game time against the Super Bowl defending Kansas City Chiefs. He had no idea he was starting. They told him, hey, guess what? You're in. You're playing against the Super Bowl champ Chiefs, and you're going head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. And Justin Herbert was like, okay, goes out there, throws for 311 yards, uh, scores two touchdowns and averages nine and a half yards pass and puts up almost a 95 pass rating in his first NFL start. That's... In, in, it's so easy now. 
guys can come in, you know, it, you, you just know who what you have in your quarterback so much quicker than you used to. Because it used to be you would have to really dig. Like, I don't really know what, what's here. Maybe we need to bring in a new coach. Maybe we need to bring in college schemes. Maybe we need to bring in all this stuff. Well, they're doing that. Baker Mayfield's on his fourth head coach in his third year. And, like, three different offensive coordinators because they're trying to figure it out with him. They're, they're impatient. Baker Mayfield is struggling, and they need to figure out quickly because the NFL stands for not for long. Even though it used to not, now it does. Those guys... Baker Mayfield, he can end up being a fine quarterback, but you're giving him so many different schemes because the Cleveland Browns are so impatient. You know, and, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Gardner Minshew is a, a second-year, sixth-round quarterback, and they they want him to be Superman right now. He's 7-8 and eight as a starter, 27 touchdowns, 9 picks, and all of a sudden, you know, he's a sixth-round quarterback. You're giving him very little offensively, and you're giving him a washed-up play caller in Jay Gruden, who calls the most lethargic-paced offense for that. I'm not saying Jacksonville wants to seriously consider Minshew for the future. I'm just saying that, you know what, this is this just proved to me that guys succeed. Now, even the bad quarterbacks are good in the 2020 NFL era. Back then, the bad quarterbacks, even 20 years ago, who would you have considered a bad starting quarterback? Ryan Leaf, right? Ryan Leaf, in his first season as a starting quarterback in the NFL, was 3-6, 45 completion percentage, two touchdown passes, 15 interceptions. Okay, and a passer rating of 39. He had a career 50 passer rating, and then we kicked him out. That was what a bad quarterback used to look like. Okay, and, and then uh, Tony Banks, that's another quarterback that sort of bounced around the league. Tony Banks is probably the, you know, I would say Ryan Fitzpatrick would be the modern-day Tony Banks. Tony Banks in his career, 35-43 and 43 record, 77 touchdowns, 73 interceptions, 72 passer rating. And he was looked at as bad. You know, that was a bad quarterback. We don't have quarterbacks like that anymore. Because quarterbacks with his record, like Matthew Stafford, you know, they have like 30,000 yards and they have 240 plus touchdown passes and they have win, they have like 11 win seasons, you know, and they, they're completing like 63, 64% of their passes. You know, those quarterbacks are succeeding even though they're not winning. Ryan Fitzpatrick is what we would sort of deem as a bad quarterback in today, in today's NFL. This season, he's completing 71.1% of his passes with more touchdowns than interceptions. He has a uh, 91 passer rating, okay? And with a tanking football team in the Dolphins, he is 6-10 and 10 in his 16 starts with the organization. He's finding out ways to win. In the, and he's got 214 career touchdowns. He's got almost 34,000 career passing yards. He has 56 wins as a starter. That's a bad quarterback in the NFL these days. The quarterback quarterbacks are just so good nowadays. You can have a bad quarterback like Fitzpatrick go 18 of 20 with three total touchdowns in a game because that's just the way it is. Those guys just implement their offenses and they're just so easy to pick up and learn. You can sign guys like the Broncos just signed Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles could be starting next week and he could probably have a pretty good game because offenses are just so quick to look, pick up to, in today's NFL for these professional quarterbacks than they used to be. We think of Mitchell Trubisky like he's a bad quarterback. You know, his career record as a starter is 25-18. and 18. He has thrown 53 touchdown passes to 31 interceptions and has a career passer rating of 86. 
That's what we would deem as a bad quarterback in the NFL, is Mitchell Trubisky. Guess what? He's seven games over 500, and he's thrown 22 more touchdowns than interceptions in his career. That That's a success. He's got one season where he went 12-4, and four, was a pro bowler, and almost won a playoff game. That's what we would think is a bad quarterback. Blake Bortles we think is a bad quarterback. One year, he went to the AFC Championship and was a bad pass away from making it to the Super Bowl. That's what we think is a bad quarterback. Even the great quarterbacks of the 70s were awful. Joe Namath and Terry Bradshaw. Uh, Joe Namath threw way more interceptions than touchdowns. Terry Bradshaw barely threw more touchdowns than interceptions in his career, and those guys combined to win five Super Bowls. It's just different. You know, when you look at those careers, those guys with those statistics would have been benched many times and never been sniffed for the Hall of Fame back then. You know, it's just different. It's a weird era of football that we're in. And, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is enjoying it. He's 37-year-old journeyman quarterback, and he th- went 18 of 20. He had m- more touchdowns overall than he th- threw in completions. That's the landscape of the NFL. Schemes are just so incredibly, it's just so different now than it used to be. Even back then, Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions as a rookie quarterback, and they just let him go out there and throw picks and lose games for the first four or five years of his career, and then he ended up becoming elite. Jameis Winston did the exact same thing, went out and lost those games, went out and threw all the interceptions, and now he's a third-string quarterback. You know, it's and, and never got another contract, even though he threw a ton of touchdowns and a ton of yards for the Buccaneers. He got replaced by a 43-year-old washed-up Tom Brady. So, that... Just to let you know, Tampa Bay was very impatient with Jameis Winston, thought Jameis had to be their guy week one every day. He had to go out there and win a Super Bowl in his second or third year. Because guess what? They have a reason to be they have a reason to be uh impatient. Patrick Mahomes was an MVP in his second year, was a Super Bowl champ by his third year. Lamar Jackson was a Super Bowl uh, MVP in his second year. Could be a Super Bowl champ by his third year. Carson Wentz was almost an MVP in his second year and was a Super Bowl champion in his second year. You know, those guys, the elite guys are winning big and looking elite by year two or three in the NFL. So people view it as a lack of success if by year five or six they're just not panning out. Some guys, Peyton Manning didn't pan out till year six. Eli Manning didn't pan out till year six. Aaron Rodgers didn't pan out till like year five or six, right? Those guys, I mean, Philip Rivers didn't pan out by year five. Drew Brees didn't pan out till year five or six. Tom Brady, obviously, statistically, or by Super Bowl wins, panned out in year two, but didn't pan out statistically till year eight. Sometimes you got to be a little patient. You know, sometimes those guys just don't grow on trees and they don't just wake up and become elite NFL quarterbacks. People are impatient. And quarterbacks are just better than they used to be. That was on full display last night, watching Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those guys, they just figure it out. They just are good, you know, even when they shouldn't be, which is good. So, anyway, that's what I realized last night. So, another thing that happened last night is uh, the Denver uh, Nuggets lost to the L.A. Lakers. And they're now trailing 3-1 in a series for the third straight series to open the 2020 NBA playoffs. And LeBron is a win away from reaching his 10th NBA Finals, which would be uh, just an incredible accomplishment that no one's talking about because it's LeBron James. Um, You know, I was thinking, watching last night, and watching how LeBron's great. 
Anthony Davis is great. Anthony Davis might be the best uh, Robin to LeBron's Batman that he's ever had, and that includes Wade, Bosch, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. I mean, last night, Anthony Davis, 34 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 10 of 15 shooting in 40 minutes against the Nuggets. I mean, that's Anthony Davis. He was absolutely absurdly good. And, and LeBron was 26 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. He's LeBron James. He's going to put up stats like that. And 9 rebounds, 8 assists is looked at as a down game for LeBron James because guess what? He's, he's the man. He's amazing. But watching that game, outside of Anthony Davis, who else, are, who else is there? Dwight Howard? Contavious Caldwell, the ghost of Dwight Howard, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Danny Green, Rajon Rondo, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, JaVale McGee, Markeith Morris. I mean, who's really there to be great for the Lakers besides Anthony Davis? Even, like, the bench players for the Warriors when they were winning their titles with, like, with backup players like Sean Livingston or Andre Iguodala. Those, those guys were bench players, borderline starters for that team, and they were shooting 53s a game, it felt like. You were getting massive production out of your bench players with most dynasties. The Lakers have... You know, Rajon Rondo is old, doesn't shoot as well as he is. He's, he's washed up. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is uh, very inconsistent. You know, he, he can shoot a three here and there, but, you know, Dwight Howard's old as well. Danny Green is a spot-up shooter. That's what LeBron has to work with. Anthony Davis is injury-prone. Now, he stayed healthy this year, but most of the time he's kind of injury-prone. And it made me think, like, watching that, and the Nuggets were in that game until the very end. It felt like even though LeBron James and Anthony Davis are so, they have such a premium over the Denver Nuggets that it made me think, there is no superstar. First of all, there's no superstar in the history of sports, let alone the NBA, of sports that has been consistently dominant for a longer period of time than LeBron James. He's been the best player in the NBA for 17 straight seasons. Michael Jordan was never great for that long. Michael Jordan was great here and there, but he took a few years away from the NBA. When Michael Jordan came back to his second team when he went to play for the Wizards, they were bad. He went two years in Washington and couldn't make the playoffs. LeBron's about to win his fourth title with his third team and take his fifth different head coach to the NBA Finals. Guess you can never look at LeBron and say, oh, a head coach made him. Eric Spolstra made him. Ty Lue, Frank Vogel, those guys made him. First of all, no one's speaking of those guys besides maybe Spolstra, you know, like Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson took Michael Jordan to the NBA Finals. Well, he also took Scottie Pippen near the conference finals by himself. Kobe and Shaq, they won titles with Phil Jackson. You know, you could argue that, hey, Michael Jordan had the greatest coach of all time, just like Tom Brady did. You look at <clears throat> a guy like LeBron James, five different head coaches, to the <clears throat> to come almost a combined ten NBA Finals. That's elite. That's not that's not coaching. That's player. It's a players' league, and LeBron James has taken five different head coaches the NBA Finals, if they can win another game against Denver, which is, I know it's hard because the Nuggets have come back 3-1 in two other series in these in these playoffs, but I believe in LeBron. He's been, he's been the best player in the NBA for 17 straight years. That's a fact. 
you know, in the NFL, you know, Tom Brady, you can't even call Tom Brady like the best quarterback in the NFL every year because some years it was Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers. You know, there was different, you know, every year there seemed to be like a different, great, great, best quarterback. LeBron James is, even when he doesn't win MVP, you could still look at him and say, that's the best player in the world because he is, because he's LeBron James. So I noticed that he's been consistently dominant for 17 years, but I also noticed there's never been a player that's as good as LeBron James. There's never been a player that is as that has had to overcome more adversity and be just consistently great than LeBron. What do I mean by that? Look at where he was drafted. In my opinion, you're you are who you drafted by most of the time. LeBron James gets drafted by the clown franchise, Cleveland Cavaliers. The year he got there, they went. They well, he got there, and the team at the time was a seventeen and sixty-five team. They were a seventeen-win team. LeBron comes in, boom, they win thirty-five games in their first year. LeBron was only the, was the biggest addition. Boom, they double their win total. <laughs> they had missed the playoffs as an organization uh, six of their previous seven years, and hadn't won a playoff series in in like, in what, 12 years? They hadn't won a playoff series in 12 years. LeBron gets there, boom, they double their win total. By year three, they've won their first playoff series. By year four, they're in the NBA Finals. <laughs> and they win 50 games in back-to-back -back seasons. And then, boom, in, in 2008, LeBron's MVP. They win 66 games. They go back to the Conference Finals. The next year, 61 wins. LeBron's back-to-back -back MVP. They win another playoff series. But then LeBron has the decision, and he's he's the most scrutinized athlete in the world, and every move he makes is broadcast live on television, the pressure of being the next MJ, and LeBron is heavily scrutinized for making a public decision on where to go next. He joins the Miami Heat. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, the year he leaves, oh, they went from 61 wins down to 19 wins, and then 21 wins, and then 24 wins, and then 33 wins in the four-year absence that LeBron left Cleveland. They had Kyrie Irving. Everyone loves Kyrie Irving. And they couldn't win 35 games in a season with just Kyrie Irving and without LeBron. Meanwhile, oh, he's gone to four straight finals in Miami. He won his first two titles. Oh, he couldn't, you know, LeBron can't win the big one. You know, he can win all the regular season awards. Oh, he won back-to-back -back titles. Oops. Didn't, didn't see that. Now he's like a three- or four-time league MVP at this point. And we look at LeBron like, well, he's one of the greatest players of all time all of a sudden. Now that he's won a couple titles, he's a two-time finals MVP. Goes back to Cleveland. They <clears throat> Goes back to Cleveland. They go from 33 wins to 53 wins, and they go to the NBA Finals, and they're, they take the juggernaut Warriors to six games. They're, they're getting swept. They're not even making the playoffs without LeBron, and they're all the way in game six of the NBA Finals with him against a dynasty. And that's another thing. They went against a dynasty. He went to the finals four straight times in Cleveland facing the same exact team, the Golden State Warriors. Cleveland would have been a dynasty if it weren't for Golden State. And LeBron somehow wins one finals, and he's finals MVP. He's a three-time champion, a three-time finals MVP. And people still want to crown someone else. Steph Curry's better. Kevin Durant's better. Oh, now Kawhi Leonard's better. And yet, he made the finals in 2018 with... One of the worst constructed rosters probably ever. Yeah, had Kevin Love, he was hurt. He had Kyle Korver, Rodney Hood, George Hill, Jeff Green, Jordan Clarkson, Jose Calderon, Kendrick Perkins, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson. 
Larry Nance Jr. He took them. He, he took those guys to the NBA Finals, and they almost won a game in the NBA Finals against the best NBA team to ever be assembled. If it weren't for them, LeBron James has more rings than Jordan. Because the, that's the only team that's beating, beating up on Cleveland. Oh, and then LeBron leaves to go to the Lakers. In the two years since he's left Cleveland, they've gone 19-63, and and then in a COVID-shortened year, they went 19-46. and <laughs> And they're on their third head coach since LeBron left. And don't, don't tell me that LeBron James is not valuable. I just told you why he is. Look what happened to the Lakers. Okay, he, he shows up. First of all, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs before this year since 2013. Hadn't won a playoff series since 2012. LeBron shows up and accomplishes both by year two. In year one, they were going to go to the playoffs, except LeBron got hurt, and while he was gone, his, his teammates completely stunk up the joint. And they ended up 37 and 45, but they still had their that was still their best record in six years. LeBron's first year there, and he was injured for most of the season. Stop it. Stop telling me LeBron is is overrated. Stop telling me that he's washed up and old, that he's a washed king. You that's some criticism to tell to to look at LeBron James and said, oh, he stinks because he lost three times in the finals to an absolute juggernaut dynasty that's some criticism michael jordan never had to play a team like the golden state warriors never he, he, look he played john stockton yeah john stockton's good wouldn't have survived in the nba these days michael jordan played the bad boy pistons they wouldn't have been so bad these days i'm sorry it's look the media controls the narrative they don't want anyone to dethrone michael because michael jordan is like the darling of the First of all, Michael Jordan had legal problems. He had gambling problems. He had off-the-court problems. LeBron has none of that stuff. LeBron has never had an off-the-court issue. He's been active politically, and you hate him because of that. Get aside from that, he's never been in trouble with the law. He's never had legal issues. He's never had extramarital affairs. He has a great family. He has great children who are talented. He's made a great life for himself despite growing up with nothing. And we hate him. We, we hate LeBron James. We think he's overrated we, because we don't want him to be better than than Michael Jordan. Why not? We were so ready to, to crown Tom Brady as the GOAT over Joe Montana because of titles. That's a team accomplishment, folks. LeBron James is doing more with less than any other player in the NBA, and he's been as consistently great, more consistently great than any other player in the history of pro sports for 17 straight years, and he's still the best. It's it's unbelievable, and he's a win away from going to another conference, uh, to another NBA Finals, his tenth ever, and he's probably going to win it. Who knows if he wins? But I think he will. Then he'll be a four-time champion, likely a four-time Finals MVP, and the, you LeBron haters will have even less of an argument. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you who hate LeBron, but it's happening. So anyway, that's my LeBron spiel. The NFL Week 3 continues on Sunday. A lot of really good games. A lot of really good games. Um, and uh, I am going to make my picks here and then let you go for the day. Uh, a lot of really good matchups between quarterbacks this week. Uh, a lot of matchups between teams who I thought would be better against teams who I thought would be worse. Uh, so here we go. 
starting with Chicago and Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to pick the Bears to beat Atlanta. I think Atlanta is a four and twelve team, three and thirteen maybe. They they just they just completely stink. They choked away a chance to beat the Cowboys at home uh, on the road last week. They don't deserve anything good in life. Chicago is going to be three and zero, and then it starts to get a little tougher for them. Rams Bills. Gosh, I like the Bills in this game. I like Buffalo because they just all around. I think they play better defense than the Rams. I think Josh Allen's looks slightly better than Jared Goff. And I like their coaching staff, Buffalo's. I like both. I think this will be one of the best coached games of the season, Rams and Bills. Um, I really like it. I like Buffalo, though. Washington football team and Cleveland Browns. I like Washington. Did you know that in the last couple of years, the worst quarterback in the league under pressure has been Baker Mayfield? He's been the worst at – he's been the least accurate overall worst quarterback under pressure. Washington has the best, if not second best, defensive line in the NBA, in the NFL. Uh, they're going to be after Baker Mayfield all week, or oh, all day, and he is going to get sacked at least four or five times uh, because Baker Mayfield does not know how to read coverages after pressure in his face. That's going to be a Washington football team victory. They go to 2-1, and one, and then we're really going to start asking questions about Baker Mayfield's future in Cleveland after this game. Titan Vikings, I like Tennessee to go 3-0. and oh. Look, Minnesota. They lost a bunch of starters on defense, and they lost Stephon Diggs. I've never seen an offense miss their number one receiver more than the Vikings have missed Stephon Diggs. It's just and and look, Mike Zimmer's all of a sudden on the hot seat. Tennessee's favored by three on the road against the Vikings against Mike Zimmer's defense. That's not very good. And Ryan Tannehill's looked great this season. I believe in the Titans coaching staff, and I believe in Derrick Henry. I like Tennessee. Raiders Patriots. I like Vegas in this one. They're a five-and-a-half-point dog at New England. But, look, the Vegas Raiders, they just beat up on the Saints. Just beat them up in their home opener, in their Vegas opener. Derek Carr's looked efficient. He's been accurate. He hasn't committed a turnover this season. And all of a sudden, Las Vegas can run the football. And they've got nice, speedy wide receivers. And they've, they're, they like, three deep at tight end. Darren Waller and Jason Witten. I guess they're two deep. They look great. I, I like I like the Raiders in this game. Uh, 49ers, Giants, I like San Fran. Look, it's they're beat up. They're going to start their backup quarterback, and their two best uh, defensive linemen are out for the year, uh, and they're missing their top receiver and maybe their top running back. But, I mean, the Giants are just an absolute crap fest. Uh, Daniel Jones has been turnover prone, as usual, and uh, Saquon Barkley's out for the year. That was the best part of their offense. Look, it's, it's not looking good for them, folks. Okay, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a chess match, but I think it'll be closer than we think. But San Francisco is gonna end up winning because they gotta win at some point. Eagles, Bengals, Eagles will win the game. It'll be their first win of the season, I believe, in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't believe in Cincinnati's offensive line and receivers, but I believe in Joe Burrow. I think it'll be a closer game than we think. I like Philadelphia to win the game, though. Um, I'm not gonna pre- predict a score. Steelers, Texans. Wow, I'm actually going to pick Houston in this one. they got to start somewhere. They're not going to start 0-3. They're bad. I think the Texans are a bad football team, but I don't think they're an 0-3 football team, not with Deshaun Watson. I'll give them one more chance. I do like the Steelers' defensive line. I think it's top three in the league, and I think Ben Roethlisberger right now is better than Deshaun Watson. But, look, it's Houston's got to win. Okay, and if they don't win and they're 0-3, I'm starting to question the future of Bill O'Brien in Houston. Jets, Colts, this is an easy one. Indianapolis will crush them. Uh, the Jets, they have nothing. They, their running backs are hurt. Top three receivers all hurt. Sam Darnold stinks. 
Offensive line is awful. Defense is terrible. They traded away their two best stars, and another one's injured. And their head coaching situation is the worst in the NFL. The Jets have nothing. They're, they're going to they're gonna struggle to win two games this season. And the Colts are a very, very talented team despite struggling. They have Phillip Rivers. He's more of a game manager at this point. They have a great O-line, great running game, great defense, great coaching staff. I like the Colts. Uh, Chargers, Panthers. I like the Chargers. Justin Herbert to get his first NFL win. Look, they looked great against the Chiefs last week. Now defenses do have a bit of a book on Justin Herbert, how he reads defenses, stuff like that. But now Carolina's a tanking team. Their defense is brutal. They have struggled to defend Derek Carr and, and a washed-up Tom Brady. Look, I like the Chargers. I like them. Give, them, give me the Chargers plus six and a, or at a six-and-a-half betting favorite to win that game. I like that. Denver-Tampa, sure, give me the Buccaneers. Their Broncos are injured everywhere. Everybody's hurt in Denver. Their number one receiver's gone. Their quarterback's gone. A bunch of defensive stars have gotten gone down. The Broncos are reeling, and Tampa Bay's just got better weapons. And I like their coaching staff a little bit better, and I trust Tom Brady more than I trust Jeff Driscoll, even at age 43. Give me Tampa in that game. Detroit, Arizona. Cardinals going to win that one. Uh, Kyler Murray's a top-five betting favorite right now for MVP, and he looks good. He looks fast, he looks mobile, and I like Kyler Murray in this game, and I just don't trust the Lions, I don't trust their coaching staff. Dallas-Seattle, uh, Seahawks going to win. They're going to be 3-0. Russell Wilson's better than Dak Prescott. Uh, this is you know, a classic game where I think that we really need to just look at quarterback and coach. Do you trust Pete Carroll more than McCarthy? I say yes. Do you trust Wilson more than you trust Dak? Yes. Uh, do I trust Seattle's just nucleus over Dallas? Yeah. Both teams have horrible defenses. This will be a shootout for the ages. I ultimately trust Russell Wilson more than I trust Dak Prescott. All right, Green Bay, Sunday night. Green Bay and New Orleans. I like the Packers in this game, um, although it could be close. It could be a shootout. Aaron Rodgers will probably be missing Devontae Adams in this game, but I just like Aaron Rodgers more than Drew Brees at this point because Drew Brees can't throw the ball downfield accurately anymore. It's kind of embarrassing. Aaron Rodgers is still putting out dimes at age 37. Not a lot of guys can really stop that. Not a lot of defenses can stop that. And the Saints just got pummeled by the Las Vegas Raiders offense. Okay. Packers going to win. They're going to be 3-0. I have a weird feeling. And then Chiefs-Ravens. <sighs> Patrick Mahomes 2-0 against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson 0-2 career against the Chiefs. 21-1 against everyone else. But guess what? I am picking Baltimore in this game. Ravens are due for a win over Kansas City. They're at home. I think the Ravens are the better all-around roster. And guess what? Patrick Mahomes has trailed by at least 10 in four of his last five games. That's not a good theme. You don't want that. They were trailing by 11 last week against the clearly worse L.A. Chargers, and they were trailing by 7, maybe 10 in week one against Houston. And they trailed in every playoff game last week by at least 10 points. That's not a good theme. You don't want that. Patrick Mahomes is great. He can overcome any deficit. We've seen it. The Lamar Jackson's the reigning MVP. Lamar Jackson's a better, um, you know, all-around, you know, offensive player than Patrick Mahomes based on the running ability. I just believe in everything about the Ravens before I trust the Chiefs. The Chiefs are down too much. I like Baltimore to go 3-0, Chiefs 2-1, but the Chiefs are still a betting favorite to go 13-3 or 14-2. Chiefs are great. That is a tough game. Night games and Sunday night and Monday night are going to be electric. They're going to be great. Um, and for the record, I would have picked Miami to beat Jacksonville. 
Uh, that is that. We will see you on a Monday. Week three around the NFL season coming your way on Sunday. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody. I'm your host, Jacob Valier. You've been listening to The Jadava Show. Take care.